to Aligned Mama Podcast. We're your hosts, Samantha Kapsick and Nikki Trout. And we're partnering up because we know motherhood is hard. Like really, really hard. (laughs) Really hard. (laughs) Get ready to equip yourself with practical tips and strategies to tackle daily trials, along with insights from expert guest speakers and relatable stories from other moms just like you. Join us weekly for advice, inspiring stories, and a supportive community of moms navigating the joys and challenges of motherhood together. Hey, mamas. Today we have our sweet friend Larissa here. She's going to share her story. Um, her childhood has a lot of hard truths and backgrounds in it. Um, and she's also been through an abusive relationship. So we ha- hope to shed light on that um, for others going through that and for people that have friends and family going through that. Um, but we hope that out of this message, what you hear is an inspiring story about overcoming and breaking the cycle and knowing that there is always hope for your situation. So from there, I'm going to let Larissa start off. Absolutely. <laughs> well, my childhood um, definitely had some um, sexual abuse in it, along with neglect um, from basically the age I was born up until four. Um, And I did have a younger sister as well that it was happening to as she was a baby. And um, growing up, I have had to remember all of it um, as well as they not like my siblings not know anything that has happened to me or them. Um, And it has affected me throughout my whole life. Um, It's caused me to like want to, however weird it is, like there's like some child trauma background but it's wanted me to like want men in a like I don't even know how the, like the word is but to, to have them be happy no matter what I do for them and yeah You're trying fix to fix them what and, happened to yeah, you. yeah yeah so um but after I was taken from the home I was placed where my parents like with them now and I was adopted and I did have a great childhood after that my parents also have a healthy relationship that I had modeled before me. Um, and then going into like my relationship, like I'm not really sure um, why I was even drawn to him. I feel like at that point I had healed from some of the trauma that has happened to me in my childhood. Um, but I guess some of the stuff I hadn't really healed from because I was really drawn to him. And, um, and don't downplay what you went through. I mean, it, I, I know women in these experiences are why or have guilt or shame in these things. And it's like, whoa, do you not realize what you walked through? You know? Right. Um, and well, I've learned a lot, you know, about myself through the whole thing. And I have like a great heart and a lot of love to give. And um, men like my ex um, really prey on that. Um, they prey on the people that they can tear down. Um, and that was what happened to me um, for a couple, it was like three years it took me to get away from him. Um, I have been away for two years now. Um, but okay. So I guess kind of walk us through. So you were drawn to him, obviously clearly unhealthy. Um, did you notice that right away or was that something that you didn't realize at first? Was he super charming at first? I know that that's usually the case and, uh, yeah. So we had, um, met on a dating app, which is, I don't, you know, there's a lot of, you know, success stories with that, but I really don't condone, like condone it on the side of what I've been through. Um, there can be a lot of lying that happens like right out the gate. Um, and in my situation, that is actually what happened. Um, I didn't notice red flags, um, until I was out of it. And when I look back on the whole situation, now I realize like what was a red flag and what wasn't. Um, when I met him through the dating app, um, I had met him under a false name that I didn't know about until about two weeks in. Um, he was somebody who was like a mysterious guy. He kept to himself. And then anytime I would ask about his family, it would be, you know, I, I don't really want to talk about it or um, I've just been through a lot. And I think like the main thing he let me know is like, oh, I've been to prison. So I thought I was like, OK, well, you've clearly had a hard life. Like maybe me 
being in your life will heal you, will help you. That's what I was all about at the time. Um, I had the mentality that I could help and change negative thoughts and things of people's lives um, with the loving heart that I have. Does this go on to even women in relationally that way, or is that more for men? Like, what do you mean? Like friends are you like always the helper for your friend relationships or anyone you're with even family are you the go-to person in times of need I would say it's pretty much anybody but with what I had been through previously in my childhood um there there have been it's like men mainly that I was wanting to help and um you know it started off as you know not really caring about the religion that I grew up with and um, you know, wanting to help men, you know, sexually and other things that, you know, really wasn't what I was grown and told to do with my life. Um, so some of the red flags that I noticed after being in it for so long, um, looking back on was like the main thing of like controlling tendencies that they have. Um, and the isolation, like isolation is like really huge for me. I was such a family person. And um, when I went through this whole experience, I really wasn't even able to use my phone without his knowledge. Um, I had to have code words for family members to know, like, if something was wrong. Um, you know, I, I had a job, but a lot of the times he would make me quit because he would think that I was doing things that I really wasn't. Um, so those things could start off small and they really do start off small and then one day it'll turn into um, a full-blown rage and then hit you. And then you just out of the blue, you're like, well, I don't know why. How long did it take to get to that point? We were together for probably about three months before that had happened. Um, You know, some of the things I really still don't understand. um, I think one time we were here in Warrington visiting family and then he up and decided he wanted to move closer to my family. We had met in Kansas. So at the time I was living in Kansas. So this is like the main thing of like, why, if you're going to do what you did to me, why move me closer to my family? Mm -hmm. But that is one of the red flags. They want you to be close enough, but just out of reach of those who can help you. And then over time, they tell you, oh, well, no matter if you're 45 minutes away, two hours away, or two minutes away, um, those family members don't love you. I'm the only one here for you. I'm the only one that can take care of you. Um, And, like, money, too. Like, if I didn't have money to go see them, it was because, well, I'm the one that provides for you. So that's that's what I had. Do you have you ever looked into this? Is this a thing? Because speaking to another uh, woman that has had this happen by a predator when she was fourteen, and it was the same. It's like the playbook. You think there's a playbook out there, or do they just know to do that? But that is literally what he did. Or they put if you're young and they want to do the molestation, they'll put pornography on the TV. Like there's just certain like things that these unfortunately people are doing. And what did you say? Exactly what she said. Grooming. Grooming yes. is 100% so a thing. So how do they... I, th- this whole is th- thing is such a new world to me, and it just blows my mind, and it hurts my heart that you're sitting here, and you should have had everything that I had as a child, and yet life is hard enough even if you have a good childhood, mm-hmm. and then yet you had to face all of that, and again, I'm just applauding you, and that's why this story is such a good story and such a most beautiful story. The bigger the mountain, the bigger the triumph, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know women that have gone through so many things, like they feel all these things, and and women, from my perspective, like almost feel guilty or like have you up on a pedestal because I cannot imagine going through what you've gone through and getting to the other side, making the hardest decisions and and somehow breaking free, and I know you're going to share more about it, but I was just curious how all these men know how to do this thing. Well, in reality, they really take the time to study you. They, regardless if you think that you love them and they love you, they take the time to really get to know the deepest parts of yourself, um, things you don't share with family. Then they know what you like, what makes you tick, what you love, what you don't love, and then they they use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's exactly what he did. He used my family against me in the in the times that I couldn't see them. Um, I mean, he used some things that I told him that from my personal experiences in my childhood, he used that against me to threaten family. And so it grooming is the biggest word and, and it just takes them studying you and watching you for a while. 
Do you want to walk us through um, with what you're comfortable with sharing just a little bit of like maybe how the abuse started and like details of the abuse so that other women going through that can hear and be like, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, that's what I'm so it can resonate with them if there are women listening that are going through this. Right. Um, I mean, so the the very first time that so there there's different points of abuse um emotionally had already happened i feel like like two weeks into meeting him um physically i remember the day that it started um i went to work and i had switched shifts with somebody because they needed off and so i had called him i had the only car um and i had told him like hey i'm gonna take somebody's shift you know i'm gonna be staying late and then Two days later, he told me while I was at work that I needed to get my hours printed off for him to see where I was at. And um, literally just as something simple as, you know, prove to me that you love me or that's a big thing that they yeah. do. Oh, if you loved me, you'd do this for yes, me. Yes, because healthy relationships do not they make do not you prove that. anything. No. There's <laughs> I'm shaking because my story is <laughs> oh, crazy. So, but yeah, that night um, I took my hours because, again, wanting to be the fateful person that I was and the person that loved him, you know, show him and prove to him that I was where I said I was. And um, I think I did have an extreme case of what I've been through of abuse. I think he is a psychologically needing help. Um, but that night he had made up, oh, well, the day that I'm talking about was three days ago where's that and I said well here it is and he was like no this is not the right day and then literally slapped me across my face so hard my glasses flew across the room now did that surprise you or were you um were you in fear that that like did you kind of know that he was going to yeah capable of that it's hard to say um a lot of times with trauma your brain like blocks certain things out um to like help save your your Mm -hmm. mental capabilities at that time but um I don't even remember I don't remember I remember I was shocked but after that I don't remember hardly anything I just remember that night was the time that started the cycle of abuse after abuse after abuse and it was um, it got so bad. Do they apologize? Are they remorseful? Is that part of the cycle? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, gaslighting and love bombing are the favorite things of, mm-hmm. of them. Um, when they do that, they can go into beating themselves up. Oh, I'm, I'm so ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'm a jerk. I am bad words. And um, But I love you. I'll never do it again. I'll change. Keyword, I'll change. And that's mm-hmm. never a thing. Um, you can't change somebody after what I've learned. Um, they have to change. Um, yeah, so it's like just the cycle that continued over and over again. And, um, I don't even remember what the rest of the question was, but (laughs) just, uh, just going through. So, um, the background of the abuse. So, you know, you remember the first time he hit you and then from there it just, um, got progressively worse. Mm -hmm. You got, and it got to the point where, um, I remember one time, again, I don't remember anything that surrounded it, but I remember one time um, he was fighting me for whatever reason, like physically wanting to put me onto the ground. He had covered uh, my nose and my mouth to prohibit me from breathing. Um, And I woke up not knowing what happened because he had caused me to lose consciousness. Um, and that I was actually something that he then used multiple times in a row for that, um, for me to listen to him then. Um, and then, like, I don't really want to focus more on, like, the physical aspect yeah. of it. Um, I just want to, like, talk about the the last and final time, you know. So the cycle took me seven times to get away from him. There were times where we were, it was so tumultuous we would leave each other, get back together, leave each other, get back together. He would go back to where he's from and then we would somehow find a way for him to come back or I would go out to him. And it's just, it was so terrible. And seven times it took me to finally stop the cycle and be done. And I will never forget that night. Um, I had went out to California, which is where he's from. And I took my daughter with me against the wishes of my whole family 
And how much did they know about what was happening at that point? Um, they knew everything. Um, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't hard to like not see it. Um, I had bruises all the, all the time, all over my body. And, um, sometimes when we were able to go visit my family, like I would try to like make signals for my mom. And, um, there were times where I was able to go back to the bathroom and she would go back there with me and I'd be able to tell her what's going on. And, um, some of the stuff people didn't really know about until after I was out because I was so afraid to tell them like everything I had been through. And still to this day, I still can't say everything that happened. Um, especially to mom and dad, you know, that's hard for them to hear what their daughter went through with somebody. Um, but they had met him. He has been to the family's house and he's made them dinner and, that's also what they do as they try to make everybody see like the best parts of them, but they have no clue what's happening behind closed doors, and they want it that way. They want everybody to know that he's the best guy. Um, and he had threatened family and stuff before, so they have met him like in person and threatened in person. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, so the last time I went to California, and I was out there for two weeks. The very first two days I was out there was amazing. He acted like the guy that he told me he was going to be. He said he was going to change because at this time I had had a a daughter from him, um, which is also something that can be used as a control factor. They will try to, in essence, get you pregnant to keep you where you are. So another big red flag. So just going to throw that out there. Um, I had taken her out there, and the first two days were great. And then he started drinking, and we had to go, like, live with his brother at the time. And him and his brother, like, together, really bad together. And um, the night that I remember everything, I remember him deciding to take me outside, out in the backyard. And he waited, like, we waited until my daughter was asleep. And he went out and drank, but I wasn't allowed to go in. Like, I was not allowed to go in. Um, He spent what felt like a whole day, was probably just a couple hours, um, beating me senseless. Um, I remember that night that I, I literally fought back, and I didn't care if I died. I was to the point where I did not care. Um, And that night resulted in me trying to grab his hand and like push it away from me and that caused um him to uh break my finger um which still has not healed to this day correctly so that is something that I have to have as a as a reminder um and then I somehow got into his head that I needed to go to the bathroom, that I needed to be let into the house. In reality, I really just wanted to see my daughter and stop the abuse from happening. Um, I somehow managed to do that, and he walked me back into the house. And at that time, his brother and brother's fiance were sleeping in their room with their newborn daughter. And um, my daughter was also sleeping in the playpen. And I, instead of going to the bath, like, I went to the bathroom, actually. I went to the bathroom. And I had my phone with me for the first time in who knows how long. He always had it. I sent pictures and then deleted them to my brother to show what he had done to me because I didn't want him to know that I had sent something that could be used as proof. Um, And then I sent a message to my best friend to ask her if I could come live with her. And I walked back out. Um, At that time, he took my phone from me. And then I grabbed my daughter and I laid down, attempted to lay down. Um... And with my daughter in hand, he punched me as hard as he could in the face. Um, I don't even remember, like, if he had caused... I don't think he caused any bleeding, but he punched me in the face. And at that time, I really had thought he hit my daughter. And that was the turning point for me. If I think you hit my daughter, like, that's that's it. Like, I will take as much abuse of myself as I can because I love you is how screwed up that that thinking is that he has manipulated into me. Um, but if you take it to the point of involving my daughter, like, I'm done. Um, and I, how old was she at the time? About a year old. Okay. About a year old. Um, so at that time, I, I took her. I busted the door down to his brother's room. I cowered in the corner, and his brother had to knock him out to get him to stop trying to come at me to hurt me some more. And um, the next day, I was left alone. In the house, his brother and fiancé and baby left me there with my daughter by myself. I had to lie 
to doctors. I made him take me to the hospital. I lied to doctors, said I fell downstairs, that I broke my finger, when in reality he had broke my finger. Um, I told him, lied to his face, and said, I'm going to stay with you because I know you'll change. Um, and at that point, I knew that it wasn't going to happen. I knew that I couldn't do it anymore, um, especially with my daughter involved. I just couldn't. So I lied, and I tried for two days to get my phone, to message people back home, to get money, to come home. Because at that point, I had nothing. Uh, he took all my money. I had nothing to get back home. And um, uh, the next day, after the two days, so it was three days in essence, I, I got my daughter, ran outside, didn't have my keys. He wouldn't give them to me. I started screaming, and the neighbor came out, and I said, call the police. I know she called the police. Um, and I didn't wait for them. He finally threw my keys at me. I didn't take any of my belongings. I just took my daughter, took my car keys, got in my car, and never looked back. And that was the turning point for me, and I have not looked back since. I'm so glad that you came to that realization because there's so many women, sadly, that just never leave or are too paralyzed in fear. So Leaving is the most dangerous part. Yeah. If I wouldn't have been out in public, I think he would have killed me to get me to shut up. Because that's literally, emotions isn't a thing with people like that. You can't have emotions. You can't cry. You can't ask for help. You can't scream. You can't do any of this. Mm. So if I would have tried to do that inside the house, I knew that I was going to be done. So that's why I tried to get outside as, as much as I could. So what do you tell the woman? What do you mentor the woman that was you that is still in the relationship that knows she needs to get out? What What is your advice? Um, I would say try to find a way to use the universal signal, the hand signal. I did not know about it at the time that I was in this relationship, and I learned about it after. Um, but it is literally like you close your thumb in uh, on your palm, and then you close all the rest of your fingers around it. You can signal to police officers. You can signal to people in the car and the, on the highway. You can signal to somebody at the grocery store. Literally anywhere that there's somebody, because it's now a well-known thing, they can help you get out. Um, and I teach my kids that, too. Yeah. To tell them, like, if they ever get kidnapped or anything. But you have to, especially with kids, like, I tell them, like, make sure that the predator is not looking yeah, like, you have to it make behind sure. your back, try to make eye contact yep. with the mom. Okay, somebody that, again, is so far removed from this situation, and I just can't imagine how much your story is going to impact, and if you do end up writing your book, what, what that's going to do. Um, so, you know, you did, did you ever leave the house with him? Like, is there any, like, is it just the hand signal? Because, like, couldn't you have just ran outside and screamed and just ran as fast as you could I mean is it that fearful is there any other way to get messages out or do they literally keep you locked in and are they with you 24 7 my experience um they are with you 24 7 um as simple as it is to say oh just leave get in your car and go well where's my keys you know he has my keys where's my cell phone he had my cell phone you know so a lot of times I couldn't even you know text somebody to signal I couldn't you know I really in essence had to decide it was me and my daughter's life versus his Um, and sometimes screaming out in public can get you shot by your significant other if he would have had a gun he could have shot me dead you know so it's just it's hard to say what you can and can't do to get out of those situations. I've had a lot of people tell me that this whole thing is my fault and, you know, you could have just left. And it's so much harder than a lot of people think it is. Well, it's not just the fear in the moment, too. It's the fear that they're going to come find you and they're crazy. Exactly. So they have a vengeance and it's not like they give up easily. And usually they're the crazy ones that will, like, hunt you down, like, you know. Absolutely. When I finally got out, I spent, I had to get a brand new cell phone with a new number. Um, literally for like two weeks straight after I left, he tried to continue to call me, had his number blocked, all to try to worm his way back in. And I just, you literally have to stick firm and not letting it happen. And your life will, will be amazing afterwards, regardless of the hard times it's going to take to heal. Um, for me, it's going to take a lifetime to heal what I've been through. Um, but you can only start when you're out. You can't heal from within while you're in the situation. Yeah. I feel like you wanted to say something too. 
So earlier you had said before we were um, doing this when we were just chatting, you had said that there was things that your family had done that made it worse or like friends and family. I don't know, remember who said it, but um, that they did that like put you in a worse situation. So can you shed light on like things not to do and then things that to do? Um, I would say the main thing I would say to, to do there is to not say anything over text or call, um, to even indicate that they know about the abuse. I was going to ask you that when you texted your brother and your friend, did you tell them in the original text, like, do not message me back? Like, how did you know they weren't going to text your phone back if, because after I you had, took it? Well, I had had conversations before I went out to California and I said, hey, if I message you anything, do not respond to my phone. And if it's pictures, save it, delete it. Do not respond. Because that was a time where I was out. I was, oh, I'm going to get better. I'm not going to go back to him. You know, but he wormed his way back in and then I went back out. So you can try to have, if you do try to leave, even if it is just to set up those availabilities to get out, I would say that that's probably the smartest way to do it is set those things up. And if you do go back, now you have a way out mm-hmm. because those things, if I would have not messaged my brother that, you know, if I would have not had that conversation before and he would have messaged, I would have gotten way more beat than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say don't, don't say anything in text message or calls, even calls. Don't say anything. Um, at the time when I had, you know, fake words for certain things, he found out, and it does get you hurt more. Um, so I would say, too, um, again, I talked about the universal sign um, to getting out of things. Um, I had a lot of situations where law enforcement was involved, and I lied, um, which hopefully not perjuring myself right now, but um, I did it because I thought that he loved me, and I thought that if I said something, he would find me. Um and talk on my family, like, I feel like they did absolutely everything they could to keep me from going back to him. Um, I don't blame them for anything. I don't blame them for stepping out when they needed to. Um, he literally threatened them, knew where they lived and everything. So um, I would just say to, like, if you have somebody in the situation, really just be there. My best friend through this whole thing was there for me. Um, she didn't want me to come live with her, which I totally understand. Um, but she tried every avenue after I got out to get me the money and resources I needed. Um, just having somebody like that, whether it be a friend or a family member that can get you the resources if you need somewhere to live or if like if you have to go stay in a shelter for a little bit, like all of those things are better than being in that situation. Yeah, that is scary because I'm sure her concern was endangering her own family and worried that he was going to come. And so that is really hard because I'm sure she loved you so much and wanted to help you, but you know, she has kids. Same thing with my family. They, they wanted to help. They wanted, when I came back from California, like my mom wanted to help me. My dad wanted to help me, but they were fearful that I wasn't really going to stay away from him. And in situations like this, it could end up with the whole family being killed. And like, that's just how psychologically, not okay some of these people are and you regardless of you wanting to get out you really have to think about stuff like that and who you ask for help could endanger somebody else so um it's one of those things that like you know you want to ask for help for certain things and you just you have to try to figure out how to do it on your own and it is hard but you also have to ask for help so it's like it's like a double-edged sword I think it, um, again, recently I've just been exposed to women that have had these stories and, um, you know, thankfully, you know, they're either in the healing process or they've gotten out of it, but I think it's so easy. And the old me would, it would have been so easy. Like you just said, like, oh, you're doing this to yourself or why are you just doing that? Or why is this person drinking or why are they into these drugs? And I think God it's, it's in this year for some reason is really just impressed upon me you do not know their childhood. You do not know how they are wired from when they're a child, like what you had experienced. Like it's so unfair to judge. And honestly, if somebody is poor on the street or doing drugs or making decisions or doing things that you think is contrary to like maybe the obvious, you have not walked a step in those shoes. Just like I tell people like that have not had a kid with cancer. You don't know. And so somebody's saying like, it was your fault. You should just like, you know, 
I understand that it can look that way, but you you have not walked an inch in my shoes. So Well, it's like I never thought in a million years I would have been in a situation like this, especially with I had parents who loved each other, who instilled in me to look for that person who is going to be everything for you. I never in a million years thought I'd end up in something like that. But it's literally the so small things that can turn into something like this that you never thought would. I know. It's just like I was actually looking up the statistic. I This one's lower than what I had heard. I had heard that it was in the upper 80s percentage of homeless people actually age out of foster care. And so we can look at them and say, you know, like judge them so hard. But I mean... You're literally aging out into the system. They have nowhere to go. Yeah. And and I was fortunate to have a home to go into. My mom and dad like mm-hmm. took me and my siblings in and are still taking kids in and um and without that, you know, I would have been on the street. I would have or in a worse situation of a home life, you know. Um and none of that really shaped what went through the abusive relationship. You know, that's a whole different thing you know but some of the things that I had had learned at that young age is what I think why I went through what I went through because again I, I thought I had healed from certain things and you know so um okay so what do you wish that like friends or family would have done more of for you is there anything that I don't think they could have done anything different. I think they did everything they could. And when it was time for me to, when I wanted to finally leave for the last time, um, I had friends and family send me money. I, even though like I still had to do $30 of a motel to stay in to be able to sleep while I'm on the road from California back to Missouri. And um, just simple things like that. Like they did everything they could. And in reality, the tough love that they gave me Um, I wasn't able to move back in when I came back. They told me, you got to figure it out. And I think that tough love is why I am to this day standing on my own two feet. Uh, If I would have had the opportunity to move back in, I don't know where I would have been at. And I don't want to think of the what ifs. Um, But the previous times I was living with them when I had gone back. So I think the tough love is what pushed me to be where I'm at. Well, why don't you tell your happy side of the story <laughs> now? Uh, well, the main thing I want everybody to know is that it is the hardest thing to leave and stay gone, but it is possible. Um, healing will take a lifetime, but it is possible to have a life and actually find um, a forever love. Um, I am now two years in a relationship um, and engaged Uh, I also have another baby um, and a thriving um, house cleaning business. It is so possible. um, Out of all the things that I got told when I was with him is that I would never amount to anything. Nobody ever loved me. And that is far from the truth. You have family. You have friends that love you to your dying day. And if you stick on your feet and you do you know, the healing process of whether it be therapy or if you're and you're depressed, you need to be on depression meds or whatever you need to do, church and, and like surrounding yourself with such great people will help you get through the impossible. And for me, it was impossible. I really thought that I was never going to heal from this. At the time that I met my now fiance, I had sworn off men. I told, I told myself I'm never doing that again, but here I am. What can what were your top um, strategies of healing so far? What has worked for you? But before that, Samantha has Yeah, I just wanted to say, too, that I don't know Michael like a whole lot. You know, we are neighbors, um, but he seems totally like such a gentle spirit. And so I just wanted to throw that in. Like, I mean, obviously I don't know, but I know that like he's helped Jonathan like with our AC or whatever when it went out and stuff. And he just seems like, you know, like opposite natured of you know seems like kind and like compassionate so um just saying that to say that you know if you're a woman and you're going through and you keep repeating the cycle with the same men you can break that and um you know if you're you're at one point not to the point where you're a hundred percent like I'm going to heal from this. You will repeat the cycle until your heart's ready. You're going to repeat the cycle and you're going to find not really great men. You really are. And I have found a lot of not great men until I met Michael and he has 
he doesn't even know the extent that he's been able to help me heal. But when I was with him, and this is hard to admit, um, because only me and him and my mom and my father know about this, but I'm going to share it. When I had met him, we were together for like six months and I relapsed. And I know that's a hard thing to hear when it's not drugs. You know, you relapse. It doesn't make sense. I did. It's called a relapse. I relapsed. I reached out to my abuser and I said, because I wanted closure, I said, well, I loved you. Why did you do this to me? Like, I don't understand what I did to deserve this. What did your daughter do to deserve this? And instead of leaving me or, you know, all the things that I thought I didn't amount to anything, he was like, it's okay. You know, things happen, but he's not good for you. And you need to know that. And you know what? In reality, he's really not the father for your daughter because I am. And that sentence to me and and him being there for me in that time is the man that I have found because of the healing process. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get like choked up, but (laughs) but he is such a compassionate man. And, um, to allow me to even go through that and understand, like he's, he totally understands like if I have to have a healing day, like yesterday for me was a healing day. I had a client that for whatever reason, there was a smell and the smell made me have flashbacks and last night after he got home from work we looked at each other and I said I just need you right now and he hugged me and he's like I understand you're gonna have days that you need to heal and I'm here to hold you and um he's really been the best thing for me and um my daughter has chosen him as her father and she now calls him father like daddy and dad and um so but I didn't get to that point without him and I did do therapy online um I didn't have time or the money to go in person but I did do therapy um so and I and I did get on depression meds because depression is a real thing and um so all those things combined is why I have the success story that I have it's so beautiful I know before we jumped on the podcast um and what a wonderful, I guess, to backtrack a little bit, you you found your protector and that's what your fiance and then soon to be husband is supposed to be that role. And it's, it's amazing. And there's nothing more powerful than that relationship and that loyalty and all of that. So um, what a beautiful thing. Um, I know you said prior to the podcast that there were things that people recommended for you for healing and maybe weren't something that at least helped you. Would you like to shed light on some of those things? Yeah, I think... You know, it's a great thing to have a relationship with God. Like, I think that is the main thing in life that can get us through anything. And there were points in this whole situation where I know that God is the one that got me through everything. Um, But there are things on, you know, healing. It's not bad to do therapy. It's not bad to take depression meds. It's not bad to talk to somebody that isn't your spouse or your best friend and it, it's okay to do that and I, I kind of grew up with the thinking that you know if I did therapy then I wasn't following my belief in God or you know the Christian values and and in reality like healing and being able to get back to that point of being able to trust and know that God is there for me and if I wouldn't have you know met Michael and I wouldn't have gone through um, therapy online and stuff, I really honestly probably wouldn't be at the relationship with God I am now. A lot of times people push God away in situations like this. And I had done that, you know, I think it was like the third time of being back with him. I had literally called out to God on my knees and I was like, why am I going through this? Please help me. And yet I still continued the cycle, but that was my own doing of not listening to what God wanted in my life, you know? And, and I think all of the times, regardless of going back or not, I think that reached to the point where he was like, this is my, my path for you. Take it. He rescued you. Yes, he did. Brought you Michael. Like- yeah. And he brought me you guys <laughs> and he brought me everybody else in my life. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's good. And I do think that, um, so many people are told that, um, you know, counseling or therapy or even, even having to use medications is not being a good Christian or you don't have enough faith, which it's the total opposite. I, well, one, the Bible says to seek wise counsel. And 
we believe that, you know, God has given us that knowledge of the science to show how much counseling and therapy actually do help and how our brains work. And having someone that's trained and knowledgeable in that um, can help you work through that. And sometimes we, you know, when you have a trauma response, you wouldn't have known that was a trauma response if your counselor right. didn't walk you through that. Right. So how are you, you know, so um, I think that that us telling people that is so unhealthy and it just pushes people from God when that's the furthest thing from the truth. You know, he's given us this knowledge and um, ideas for all of this stuff for us to use and to help us aid. It doesn't mean, um, like if you need any of that, does not mean that you're further from God. Let Use that all, like use everything in your realm for healing because it takes a long time and it takes, you know, a lot to, to heal from that. I agree. And I think for me, like with therapy, until the time I decided I was going to go to therapy and I was going to do it, I had those relapses where I went back. And that's why it took me seven times to get out of the cycle because, you know, therapy, you don't, again, you don't know about trauma responses. And if you don't seek the help that's out there, you sit there and you think about, well, this is a, like, he did terrible things to me, you know, terrible things. But There's always a but because then you go back to, well, this time he was so amazing and he was so good and he was good to my daughter and, you know, he's a great dad. And then you go right back to the negative and it's just a constant cycle of over and over again. And if you don't seek the help, you will never understand how to get out of it. Right. And when you're getting gaslighted so much and doing the whole what they call the crazy making where they make you feel like you're crazy, you need that person to come in and be like, no, 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 you are not crazy because it can be so... Um, manipulative that they really make you feel like you're the crazy person or that you're the one that's like messed up in the gaslighting and it can be so confusing so for someone to come in and be like clear that out for you and say no until I got not crazy yeah until I got there but there was a lot of things that he had told me that I was like did I do that and until I got therapy I was like "I, I apparently did that and I was like I guess I blacked out and did it I just didn't know it and I guess I need to I need to go to a psychologist. Like, man, I'm screwed up. But when I got out of it and I got myself into therapy, I was like, none of that happened. Like, how did how did he how did he make me think that? And it's just you know, you just just go get help. Like afterwards, and whether it be a counselor or whether it be a, a family member, or if you want, if you're not comfortable with that, and you want to talk to a spouse or a best friend, or I just recommend talking about it because until I was able to talk about it. You know, I'm able to talk about it and not cry here until we reached Michael. But <laughs> when I first got out, I was not able to talk about it. I bawled my eyes out and I was like, I'm never talking about this. But you have to talk about it for the healing journey, at least for me, whether it be journaling. Journaling is also a good way to talk about it if you don't want to talk about somebody like in person, you know? Yeah, that is so good. And I'm sure that um, anyone listening to this podcast, you can always reach out to me, Samantha, or Nikki. Um, and I'm sure you would say the same thing because I know your heart um, for someone that's been through it. Um, I, my biggest thing is I want to help women walk through this path. And you know, I'm going to say something a lot of people don't know. It's not just women that go through this. There are relationships where men are not the abusers. They're the abused. And I think that needs to be talked about. I think, you know, people have to have an avenue to talk to somebody about it. And so if you're a a woman or a man and going through something like this, like reach out to one of us three and um, I would gladly try to help get the resources and talk you through anything I can. So we all know uh, the enemy likes to play with us. He likes to get footholds and, you know, just me and Sadie's situation, guilt and what if, and all these things are like battling faith and all of that. Um, Speaking to one of my friends that has had a rough um, childhood involving molestation, you know, she herself had these feelings of shame and guilt and all these things. So what are some of the feelings that somebody that's gone through what you have had wrestled with? And did you have a defining moment where you had to take that thought captive and be like, wait, no. I went through that. That's not fair. Because from outside perspective, you, whatever transpired from your childhood and the decision still to me is like, no, that's not fair for you to even think that. Um, So what would you have to say? What were feelings you've had to wrestle with? Um, It's hard because you, you, I at first had the feeling of loss. Like that was the biggest thing of Losing somebody who isn't dead, who is still alive, but 
isn't the person that I thought that he was, you know? So the biggest thing I originally had was loss and then anger for what happened to me, anger at him for how he could put my daughter through that, how he could do that to me. Um, and then I went through the guilty of not turning him in, mm-hmm. of shame, of the sexual things that he had done to me, of now being in a relationship where I can't share intimate parts of myself anymore because of something he had done. Um, And bless Michael's heart. He is amazing with everything that I've talked to him about and understanding. And I think the guilt was, like, really hard for me. Uh, You know, you now have to think about if you, you know – somebody else is going to come across his path and because I didn't turn him in are they going to get hurt and is not now on me um but through therapy and and really talking to Michael and looking in myself I realized like that's not on me that's not on me you know I did what I did and I did what I could do and I got out and I got out alive and I got out safely with my daughter and and now you're advocating for that woman that lives around here that listens to the podcast. So there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. And who knows? Because sometimes it's ridiculous. The sentences sometimes, sometimes they get good sentences, but sometimes you hear stories and you're like, are you freaking kidding me? So who knows like how that would have went anyways? You know what I mean? Like he might've got one of those, like some judges will do a little slap on the wrist and then others, you know, want to set a standard. So I think if I would have turned him in, he would have been in prison for the rest of his life. He's a third striker, which means that if you have three strikes, you're in prison for life. But regardless, I had such a heart that I was like, I can't do that to him no matter what he did to me, you know, that which is kind of a messed up way of thinking, you know, because of the manipulation he had done to me over a three year time. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts on, you know, if, if somebody like you uh, was listening, you know, the old you or um, anything just, you know, to advocate for women like you for, for those that have not gone through it um, to even understand your perspective, any final thoughts that you'd like to share that you think would help even one person? I would just say you are strong and you are loved and you are good enough, whether that person tells you or not. Um, and I would wait until it's safe and get yourself out and it's going to take a long time to heal. But again, it is very possible. And until you decide you're ready, um, things are going to keep happening and, and you may not get out with your life. And that is the reality that people don't want to talk about. And I think it's very important for people to know. Um, but yeah, I think... I think that's all I want want everybody to know. I love it. And don't go back, right? Absolutely not. Do not go back. back. They will try so hard, um, whether it be calling you, messaging you, uh, blocked IDs on your phone, like um, all of the Facebook, um, uh, Snapchat, all the other things, they will reach out to you. Um, You just have to stay firm and you really have to surround yourself with people who are gonna? Who are really gonna rally around you and be like, even if you were to reach out and say, you know what, he's not good, let it go. Like you're okay, you're fine, you're gonna do great. Well, this is the very essence, the very reason why we started the women's community because um, women, somebody going through the situation like you has have been through needs a you there, and then they need somebody that hasn't gone through that. At least for you, you had a model parent childhood. I mean, thank God, but there are women out there and somebody that I know personally that I've, you know, become good friends with. And they looked at me one day and they're like, I don't even know how to be a mom or I don't even know how to do these things that, you know, you think, oh, you just naturally would know that. Um, So again, this is the reason why we started the women's community. And if anybody's out there and if anyone's local, would you be open to anyone connecting with you? Well, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you could find me. It? I don't think so. I don't think we said oh, it. Yeah. Did we? We said that if they wanted to reach out. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I like put okay. anything out there though, but um Yeah. I guess you could you can reach at me um personally um on my Facebook, Larissa Kuvert. Um Kuvert is spelled with two O's and a V-E-R-T at the end. Um, and is it going to change soon? Actually, it will change. Yes, <laughs> it's going to change to Ludwig. So Larissa Ludwig or Larissa Kuvert, whatever one is at the time that you reach out. Um, I will gladly talk to anybody. Um, and I really want to help women through all of this. You know, it it's hard. And until you get to somebody who has been through it, you're going to get people who really don't really understand 
the negative things that you went through and how it literally can affect you for years to come. Yeah. And now hopefully those women that haven't gone through it have a different perspective. So instead of shaking your head and saying, I don't get it, you're going to hopefully have a burning and yearning in your heart to just say, you know what, sometimes you just don't understand things. But if somebody's near me, if somebody is within my realm of uh, capabilities of helping out or being there, I'm going to show up. So um, any final thoughts? I was going to say she, her, we're going to throw in her cleaning business for anyone. I, I guess I could say St. Louis area, right? Like Troy. Yeah. Um, uh, any surrounding areas in Troy, uh, Warrington. Winsville, I do go out to St. Louis, Winsville, O'Fallon. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it is helping hands. Yep. On Facebook. Um, and, or if you look me up on Google, you'll find me on Google as, uh, helping hands Winfield Mo LLC. <laughs> Love it. And then the most important question of the whole podcast, what are you having for dinner? <laughs> I'm not a cooker. That's my Michael's job. Cooker. <laughs> that is Do you totally know what Michael. he's making? I think we're doing pork chops tonight. Do you Ooh. have to plan it? He makes it? Um, actually, we just go on a whim. I know how weird that sounds, but we are a whim family. And he makes like delicious food and thinks that he's not a good cook. But he is a great cook. And uh, I need to take lessons. I just don't go in the kitchen when he's cooking. <laughs> so where do women find a Michael? Oh, man. Honestly, God brought him into my life, really. Pray. Pray, Pray hard. Yep. That's I wasn't looking for him when I found him, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Isn't that the way life works? Yep. Um, dinner. Mm, uh, chicken tikka masala with a cheat. There's um, canned uh, tikka masala dressing. Dressing. What is it called? Sauce. Sauce. So I'm going to put... Um, I did thought the chicken yesterday. So look at me being wow. all fancy. She's so like, mm, right. and then it's like super fancy. I had to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, I'm going to put the chicken in the air fryer or probably actually just put it in the pressure cooker for like 10 minutes with the sauce. Yeah. And then Over make rice. rice. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. But it's like so good. Oh, yeah. No, I'm like you, though. I have no confidence in it. Okay, Samantha, show us up. No, it's yeah. gonna, I'm going to the fall festival for my kids at school, so we're probably going to be like eating hot dogs or like whatever whatever food is provided there. That's the best fall food, man. Yeah. Good. Hot dogs and chili. Yum. Well, Larissa, thank you so, so much. You are brave. You're one of the earliest on the, the podcast show to share your story. We have some stories coming up um in the queue but this is so brave of you and what an honor it is to know you can't wait to know you better and then also just to see where god takes you when all of this so thank yes, you we love and appreciate you thank you for having me on no problem <laughs> all right mamas we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs> thanks for listening to another line mama podcast we hope you found value in today's topic for more mama resources, go to alignedmamas.com, follow us on social, and join our Aligned Mamas community Facebook group to connect with other moms just like you. We'd like to hear from you. Have a podcast topic? Want to get in touch with us? Want to share your story as a guest? Email us at alignedmamas at gmail.com. See you next time. I can see through my feelings now. I can see through my mind and the secrets to shut my eyes